This is the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers, I'm I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252-4348. Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. It's ESPN Asheville 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. You are in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green on ESPN Asheville. Uh, heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app, live or on demand. It's the day, it, it, the day is here. The day that we have been waiting two years for. The start of the NCAA tournament at long last. <laughs> Caleb Peak is in with me once again today. Be in with me again tomorrow as we get you ready for all of the action in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, today, only four games. We got the first four games all taking place this evening. 510 is the first scheduled tip off of the first four games. And then, uh, we'll have the 16, one of the 16 matchups at 510. And then we've got, uh, after that, Wichita State and Drake. And then right after that, Appalachian State takes down Norfolk State. I know you're a Western guy and you like, uh, you, you like rooting against the Mountaineers, but you got to play Homer on this one. I'll, I'll take what They're I can North get. They're North Carolina team. You got to pull for all the North Carolina teams to win at least one game. I have never been so excited to see four 16 seeds in action at one time. Un- unless that team's name is Duke. And then you, 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 you shouldn't pull for them ever. I'd be even happier to see them as a 16. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd rather see Duke as a 16 than be out of the tournament. That would honestly. be the most feared 16 seed ever. No. Yeah. If Duke is a 16, there's something wrong. If you saw Duke's name at number 16, somehow, some way, you would be afraid of that. You think the selection committee would ever put Duke at 16? No. 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 Right. Uh, I mean, that's why you see the bottom, you, you know, the, the, the last four into the tournament, they're 11 seeds. Right. That's, they're never going to put a big, uh, a big school down at 16. Yeah. That but, happened one time in the women's bracket, didn't it? Wasn't that the, the 16 over the one in the women's bracket ended up being like Stanford got a 16 seed? Yeah. It was something like that. And yeah. it was, everyone was just in shock. Like, what oh, are you it's thinking? It's so shocking. Uh, that's a power five school, bro. It's not that shocking. And then Stanford, UMBC over Virginia, that was shocking. That was shocking. A Power 5 school beating another Power 5 school in a 1-16 matchup, not, in, not interesting. And if me. I'm not mistaken, those Stanford women turned around and became a 1 seed the next year, or maybe won the, won so. the national title the next year. Something like that. Yeah, give me a break. <laughs> right, exactly. Can't get behind that. Right, I don't we'll understand. The, the men's tournament kicking off uh, this evening at 5-10. And have you filled out your bracket yet? Huh? Have you got uh, all the brackets filled out? I know you filled out three at least of them one done. bracket. You got three? I got I have three filled out. Uh, is this, are they entered into contests or are they just? One of them is in your contest. On paper. It's on Facebook okay. on the Sportsocracy. Right. Had right. to get in that one, get myself right. a chance to win a little bit of your cash Very for a good. change. Very good. And uh, a couple of the old school physical copies. <laughs> just get myself a, you know, a little bit of an outlet just in case things don't pan out with Georgetown. Right. Which is not going to happen. I mean, they're going to be fine. No, no, they're not. They're not going to be fine. George Sound in the Final Four? <laughs> Go ahead and order, order the magazine. Still sticking with that. Even after the chew on that segment yesterday, I'm, I'm still not convinced. You still haven't convinced me. Um, Georgetown's not going to the Final Four. I never was a good salesman. Yeah. Just believe me. <laughs> 
Uh, if you have not filled out your bracket yet for your chance at a million dollars, you need to go to ESPNAVL.com right now. Scroll down to the uh, promotions and contests and get in the basketball mayhem contest brought to you by Case and Builder Supply and Carolina Mulch Plus. Get in the contest. You got to fill out the perfect bracket to win the million, but. I mean, hey, at least you got a chance. Somebody's going to do it at some point. I, you know, you'd think. You would think at some point somebody would do this. After the map we talked about, happened. oh, I don't think so. It's never happened. And if it has happened, uh, there's no way that they can uh, verify it. I, In he, fact, there was a story today yeah. that was put out, or actually it was put out yesterday, by the NCAA. Mike Benzie on, at NCAA.com put out the story, the longest an NCAA bracket has ever stayed perfect. They went through all, uh, you know, all services, all contests that they could verify the brackets in, and they found one from 2019 that a neuropsychologist from Columbus, Ohio, the guy's name is Greg Nigel, and he got all the way through the Sweet 16 without missing a game. He's apparently the only one on a, quote, verified bracket that has picked every game correctly through the Sweet 16. In which case, he's functioning off of a microchip or... Or to the Sweet 16, excuse me, not through the Sweet 16. This guy's no... He knows something that we don't, though. (laughs) He just got very lucky. He got very lucky. He got 49 games in a row before he busted out. 49 out of 68. That ain't mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. 64. 64, 64 games. 64, yeah. Yeah, 64 total games. He got all the way to game 50 before he missed one. Number three seed Purdue beat number two seed Tennessee 99 to 94 in overtime. And he had Tennessee, or yeah, he had Tennessee oh, going to the next round that hurts. instead of Purdue. And he lost it in overtime by five. That's what, it doesn't give me like what his final score was. Like, was that the only game he missed in the tournament, or did his bracket just go all to hell after that? Because see, that's the big problem. So you take these swings on your brackets, and you're like, "Oh, I love Cinderella stories," and the, you got to have one go into the Sweet Sixteen and blah, whatever. And then that one doesn't happen, and it just blows up the entire bracket. His his first problem is picking Tennessee. That's always my first problem as well, and it never works. Yes. Never works out. Don't pick Tennessee. Don't ever pick Tennessee. In fact, I think Tennessee might be the number five seed that is most in danger of losing to a 12 seed this year. I saw that somewhere as well. Tennessee has Oregon State. I bet Oregon State State winning. Yeah. The Pac-12 champion taking on Tennessee. I mean, I like Tennessee. We we crap on Tennessee a lot, mainly because of their football program and the dumpster fire that it is. Um, the basketball program. I got no problem with the basketball program. Uh, I've always been a I hesitate to say fan of Rick Barnes, but I think he's a fine coach. I just like Rick Barnes because he reminds me of our former rock guy over here at iHeart, uh, Rick Rice. <laughs> <laughs> They're identical, basically, with the the baldness. Oh, okay, I could see that. I think Rick's about eight inches taller than Rick Barnes. Yeah, so. he's got a few years on him, too. Yeah, because uh, Rick was about six, seven, six, eight, something like that. Mm-hmm. Tall Rick, enough. Rick Rice, not yeah. Rick Barnes. No, Rick Rice is a big guy. Now, oh, so you're saying Rick Barnes is shorter than Rick Rice? I have to imagine. 
I don't think Rick Barnes is all that tall. I mean, he might be six foot, six two. I mean, maybe. I know he he does not. Com- so, I don't know how he's able to command those huddles because all these tall dudes are just looking down into the into a hole in the middle of the huddle. <laughs> I guess Rick well, Barnes is in there somewhere. Height, height doesn't really matter when it comes to coaching. I mean, if it did, then Wes Miller would never win a game. <laughs> that is true. He may never win a tournament game. Uh, I don't know about that. It's, I really yeah, don't know. It's about not that. looking good this I mean, year. They, well, they got Florida State coming out in the first round. <laughs> this is a tough draw. UNC Greensboro got a crappy draw this year. They really did. It seems like ETSU would have had Florida State last year as well, I think. It's just the SOCON is, yeah, the ACC is out to get them. It's hard to find heights on coaches. I'm trying to. I'm trying to see. I'm trying to look up and see how tall Rick Barnes is. No depth chart on uh, on Rick Barnes. No, they don't have the uh, the tail of the tape, so to speak, on uh, on basketball coaches. Matt, I think for the SEC championship, you should just put you should put Rick Barnes against John Calipari one on one and just see what happens. Okay, you know, all right, first all right. to five. I don't know how many people are going to be, uh, you know, locked into that one. Ah, you can put it on pay per view. Really, really. I mean, if the Virginia State, um, the Virginia State president is is in the contest, maybe that. Did you see that video? I'm watching that video right now. The oh handles. my gosh, it was great. Oh my goodness, it was great. Uh, I wish I could remember his name. I didn't have it pulled up. His here. name is M- to talk Doctor M- something. Makola Abdullah. Yeah, Doctor yeah. Abdullah. Oh yeah, he's walking around campus. So. If you haven't seen the video, there were some, I guess it was Virginia State basketball players that were walking around campus, and there's a video where they just go up to random people coming out of the administration building and just trying to, you know, they got a basketball and the kid and the guy's trying to juke everybody. You know, he's he's showing off his basketball skills, and he gets like a security guard and a couple of other random people that come out. They're probably like you know provosts or something at the college. And then the president comes out, and he's like, hey, what's up, Prez? And he's like, you know, comes up to him with the basketball, and the Prez steals the ball out of his hand. Then he takes his jacket off, takes his suit coat off, and then he throws it in the dude's face, bounces it off his head, and then puts a move on him like Curly Neal in the Harlem Globetrotters and broke this kid's ankles, and everybody just rolled. This guy was not ready. It just goes. He to, wasn't. Yeah, but it just goes to show you. Don't expect that everybody that's wearing a suit and tie don't know how to ball, bro. I'll tell you the first problem that that these these young guys have is that they challenge this guy when his. Uh, it looks like it's. I don't know if it's his lady. Maybe it's his his significant other, or maybe it's just another lady on his staff. But mm-hmm. he's coming out with a lady on his arm, and whenever that's the case, <laughs> you know somebody's <laughs> going to be playing for pride. But right, it, it, it used to mean something if you came out with a suit and tie. It doesn't anymore. Right. So we're talking about uh, filling out your brackets. Do you do you have rules that you follow when you fill out your bracket? Other than don't pick Tennessee. Do you have right? Do you have hard fast rules that you follow? I mean, like I always, I will at least you know I do several brackets, so I've always got to have my homer bracket that has Carolina winning the national championship, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I will have my normal bracket. That's actually what I actually think is going to happen. And then I've got like an upsets bracket where I just go crazy picking all the upsets. Right. And then I've got another one where uh, it's everybody but Duke. So how many do you have? Uh, you got six? In a normal year, I'll fill out probably five or six brackets. 
Um, that doesn't count the contest that I'll get in on and, and all of that. Uh, I'm not eligible for the million-dollar bracket because I work for iHeart. So sit here and do this. Contest. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not eligible for the the basketball mayhem contest on ESPNAVL.com. Get your picks in by 5 o'clock this evening, uh, by the way. But I will fill out a lot of brackets. But, I, you know, other than the usual things that we know about the tournament, I mean, if you're a half basketball fan, you know, like, a 16's never beat a 1, except for UMBC except for the against one time, Virginia yeah. a couple of years ago. Nobody saw that coming. Still mad that I had tickets to that game and decided to go home instead of staying for the game. Oh, uh, <laughs> really? Because <laughs> we had to watch. Come them. on, Tank. Because they were in the they it, it, they were in the same bracket in Charlotte with Carolina, and we had watched Carolina earlier in the day. And we were like, "Why do we want to stick around for this? Because we got to drive home, and then you know, we got the off day, and then come back the next day for the for the next session." Yeah, realistically, Virginia was a thirty-seven and a half point favorite. Yeah, I so think, we'll for just that game. beat yeah. the traffic home fine. And as we're driving home, we're listening to the game on the radio going oh is it too late to turn back if we go back now can we get can we be in the building for the for the second half of the game but we decided to push on and just go home because there was no way that was going to happen and then it ended up happening yeah the one time right well and, and that's the thing you're talking about these half-educated basketball watchers who are casual fans you might say and those mm-hmm. are the ones who normally have the best brackets but why because they're not overthinking it right. that's what you and i do we sit here and Constantly. analyze it to death to the point that neither of us really know whether we're mm-hmm. coming or going by that point you're just confused yeah see that's why I, you know i've said you know you're doing it wrong if you have a very chalky bracket which means you're just advancing all the top seats uh-huh. You know you've done it wrong because it's not that's not generally how it plays out. This year I think is going to go pretty chalky. I think there's only been a handful of times that we've ended up with a final four with all number 1 seeds. It's not common. It's not. It's been uh, over a decade. I think Carolina I think. was in it one year. That might have been like 2008, maybe when we got spanked in the final four by UCLA. Yeah, it was UCLA that year. Yeah embarrassing yeah and i think it was us and ucla and kansas and like michigan state maybe well, michigan I think it was state the spartans perhaps yeah but what but my whole point is here you don't just automatically advance all the one seats Mm-mm. oh no you have to pick at least one upset upset in every quad and that's what right. i do but picking the perfect brackets is super hard i found this stat today uh thanks to the sporting news and it's my favorite stat i've ever heard about march madness there are more than 9.2 quintillion ways to fill out a March Madness bracket. I believe that's not a real number. It is. It is. Quintillion is a number. Um, I can't count that high. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what becomes before a quintillion. It's, it, it's, it's quadrillion. Five, so it's, uh, yeah. it's uh, what? Millions, billions, trillions. Quadrillions, uh, quintillions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too many tillions. Exactly. That's you a lot. just keep adding tillions. So, so 9.2 quintillion ways to fill out a bracket. There are an estimated 7.5 quintillion grains of sand on the planet. That's not in the Sahara. That's not in the Mojave. That's not on the fabulous beaches of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. That's on the entire globe. There are 7.5 estimated quintillion grains of sand, but there are 9.2 quintillion ways that you can fill out a March Madness bracket. So you're telling me the bracket options to sand ratio when the Earth is almost 2 to 1. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> that tells me there's a broken system somewhere. Right, right. We started giving you some of these uh, bracket tips yesterday, little random bracket facts that I found out. And uh, so there is at least one power conference underachiever every year, which is a team from a Power 5 conference that's seated ninth or worst that makes the Sweet 16. It's happened every year since 2008 that a Power 5 team ranked or seated nine or lower has made the Sweet 16. This year, my eyes are on Michigan State. Michigan State's an 11 seed. I think they can win against UCLA tonight in the first four. Then they come in and they face BYU. And then after BYU, they will end up with Texas to make it to the Sweet 16. I don't have them beating Texas. I have Texas going on in my bracket. But I do have Michigan State picking up at least one win because they are coached by Mr. March, Tom Izzo. And it's one of the teams that you never bet against. Never count him out. And we've seen that early on. Michigan State is clearly underrated this year. Right. I mean, especially the the play down the stretch. You're able to go in and beat Michigan with levers on the court. I mean, when they play and when when Tom Izzo has them in the right mindset, this is a team that could be up there in the four or five seats. But they just haven't been as consistent this year as we're used to seeing out of East Lansing. Yeah, You know who else falls into this category? North Carolina? Georgetown. Well, half the teams in this bracket <laughs> fall into that category. I mean, it no, is no, chaos no. So, this year. So, so here, 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 here are the teams that qualify under this this little bracket fact here. Okay, uh, Missouri, Wisconsin, Georgia Tech—they're all nine seeds. You got Maryland, Virginia Tech, Rutgers as ten seeds. I like Virginia Tech. I, I was going to mention that. Yeah, uh, Michigan State, UCLA, Syracuse are all elevens, and so, then you got Georgetown and o- Oregon State as twelves. So, and both of those are conference tournament winners. Right. So history would tell us there's three of them in there. Georgia Tech mm-hmm. went in the ACC conference tournament as well. Out of nowhere. Right. So history would tell us that one of those teams is going to make it to the Sweet 16. Virginia Tech is looking awfully good. Keep that in mind as you are filling out your bracket. I mean, Mike Young's got a little bit of explaining to do for a comment he made the other day. But other than that, he's got a really good looking ball whoa, club. Whoa, 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 what happened? He said something. I saw some weird headline about an insensitive comment that Mike Young made. You know how he jokes and how he's this quirky kind of head mm-hmm, coach that mm-hmm. makes all these quips off the cup, off the cup remarks. And he made one of those during a presser the other day. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't have it in front of me. I'm not sure exactly what he said, but somebody got offended. So, uh, Mike Young had a little bit of splaining to do over that. But since its inception in 2011, the first four, someone out of the first four has won a game in the main draw of the tournament. So they won the first four game, then they won a game in the first round, or the what the NCAA likes to call the second round now. Uh, they win their first game in the main draw, at least. Since its inception, 2011, a first four team has won another game outside the first four in the main draw of the tournament every year, except for 2019. Yeah. The last tournament we had, no first four team, won their next game after the first four. You know who falls into that category? Let me guess. Michigan State. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, stars are kind of aligning here. Don't bet against Tom Izzo. Don't bet against Michigan State. They will win tonight against UCLA. They will win against BYU in the first round of the tournament. I think the science proves itself. We'll have more bracket facts coming up for you next right here on ESPN Asheville. 
You're in the Sports Tank. I up, son. I up. It's ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. It's the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. Heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Jeremy Green's still on vacation. He has survived, though. We have heard from Jeremy, so he did survive the drunken madness that was his birthday on Tuesday, St. Patrick's Day yesterday. Uh, he says the hangover is not that bad. Uh, I don't believe him, though. I wonder how many quintillion grains of sand he has in his shorts. <laughs> Probably three or four by this point. He doesn't have that many brain cells left. I can definitely <laughs> tell you that. Ouch. Uh, but he's having a lot of fun down at the beach. And uh, we're having fun with you right here on ESPN Asheville. This uh, hour of the program, by the way, brought to you by Ingles. Low prices. Love the savings. I love bracket time. I love filling out the brackets, and I love these little facts that help you guide your way to the path of righteousness, to winning your pool wherever you know wherever you may enter, whether it be the basketball mayhem contest on ESPNAVL.com, or whether it be the sportsocracy challenge uh, on the ESPN tournament challenge app. Just search, join the group. Just click join group, search for the sportsocracy, join it up. The password is mullet magic in honor of uh, of Mr. Redneck Riviera, who's down in Savannah right now. All lowercase. His mullet is so awful. It was uh, better at the beginning, <laughs> when the, before the newness wore off. Before the newness wore I off. I still love you, Jeremy. But his uh, yeah, it's uh, anyway. A password is mullet magic, and uh, we'll we'll keep you up to date on who is winning that contest throughout. Uh, there's going to be a special second round of the contest too that we're we're not going to be revealing, but you do have to participate in the uh, bracket challenge to be eligible for the second round. So it was a chance where, you know, we're like Fox Sports. You could win mine and Jeremy's money in the second round of all this thing. So you want to definitely get in on the contest, the Sportsocracy Group, on the ESPN Tournament Challenge. Password is Mullet Magic. We will take all comers uh, on this one. Don't pick Tennessee. Every single Final Four but one since 2012 has featured a team that is seeded seven or worse. Every Final Four. Every Final Four since 2012, except for one. And that would be... I don't remember when it was. 2016, I think. It was... 2019. It was 2019 seems to be the outlier on everything. Right. Just the straight-up year. <laughs> right. <laughs> One's all the way. Right. The only recent season in which a seven-seed or worse hasn't made the Final Four was 2019. And even then, you had a five-seed crash in the party. So, when I look at my bracket and I see one, 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 two, I think I did it wrong. Yeah. You know who would fit that bill? Georgetown. <laughs> Coming on in as a 12-seed in the Final Four. History think, demands it. I think they actually might, that, that might actually be the lowest seed to ever make a Final Four. As a 12 seed. Well, where was Loyola Chicago, though, in 2018? Mm. They were close. They were close. They, they made they were it like a 13 seed. seed. In between 11 no, and 13. Maybe, maybe, maybe well, so. Let me look into that. But Maybe so. Uh, George Mason would be another one that might have been close to that 12 seed range. I don't remember what seed they were. I just remember being so irate that they beat the North Carolina Tar Heels. I think they came in at a 9 seed that year. And North Carolina was 1 or 2. So, mm-hmm. whew. I actually went down memory lane with that the other week, and that was not that; those weren't pleasant memories. What George Mason winning? 
Yeah, George Mason running all over North Carolina. Oh yeah, I was like, I was like ten years old when that happened. Oh, stop! Crying, that. going to my room. I'm like, oh, how could how could North Carolina lose? I was working for the Atlanta Braves radio network at the time, and I remember just going in that day, not wanting to face anybody because <laughs> I was the new guy in the building. And oh, here's the you know you get a Tar Heel fan now. Yeah, how did that work out for me? Not too well. I was not appreciating that move at all. They should be happy you left. Times times improved a little bit in Chapel Hill after that. <laughs> the Braves fans were not happy to see me because uh, my year working for the Braves Network was when the the East Championship streak broke. I was the one. I was. I was the. I was. I was the bad omen. You were I the guess. curse. You. I, was, I guess so. <laughs> I've been looking for someone to blame. <laughs> you could blame me for so long. You okay. could blame me. All right. Cool. For that, uh, for the end of that historic run that Bobby Cox had. Just wait, Tank. It's coming. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of the Atlanta Braves, we'll be doing, uh, our baseball previews again today. We're getting ready. Uh, we'll, we're going to hop over, do just a bit outside here in a second. After that, we'll, we'll preview the American League West. And then in the second hour of the program, we will do the AL East. So we're saving the best for last. The Atlanta Braves. Ronald Acuna, Freddie Freeman, they are loaded once again, and I think everybody else has to watch out in Major League Baseball for the Atlanta Braves this year. But uh, we'll get into that later on in the program. Uh, just a couple of more, couple more bracket facts here. Um, be wary of the tournament's number one overall seed. How wary? They started doing number one overall seeds in 2004. Since then, that team has gone on to win the national championship how many times? Take a guess. It's been, what, 17 years? The overall number one seed? The overall number one seed has won the championship how many times in 17 years? No more than four times. You're right. Four times? three. Okay, three times. Yeah, that sounds about right. Florida in 2007, Kentucky in 2012, and Louisville in 2013. So, Joaquin Noah uh, with Florida. Mm -hmm. And then who was the next one? Kentucky in 2012. Okay, so that's John Wall's team. Okay. And then uh, the the vacated title from from Louisville. Yeah. The Kevin Ware year. I saw it happen. It happened. I don't care that the NCAA says it's been vacated. I saw them win the title. They won the title. Uh, Technically. Technically, they they did win the title. We all saw it happen. You could take it back years later, but we all know who won that. It's, I mean, it's like the USC National Championship and Reggie Bush's Heisman Trophy. We all saw him yeah, do it. Wait, so why you are you, def- why are you defending Louisville then? Huh? Why are you defending Louisville then? I defend them all. If the like, allegations we, have been proven. We saw you win a national title. Just because the NCAA says, oh, it didn't happen. Yeah, it did. I saw it happen on my television screen. Yeah, but you brought all these players in through Ill- illegal means. I don't care. I really don't. See, and and that's the thing with the storyline yesterday came out. All these players that, including you know Michigan's Isaiah Livers, uh-huh. and all these guys are talking about, uh, you know, they want to sit down with Mark Emmert with the NCAA to talk about this name, image, and likeness stuff, and they're not getting their they're just desserts basically. I'm on their side. I've always been on their side. I don't care about. Who's paying who and what? I've always been a guy who said, you know what? You should be paying the players more. You should be paying the college basketball players who are making millions of dollars for your school. Uh, Scholarship is not fair market value. 
what is it, 300 million? I think that the NCAA stands to make off of this year's tournament alone. I think it's nine. Is it 900? Nine Without looking at the million. figure. Yeah, 300 sounds way, way low. Yes. 900 is a little closer. I would yeah. expect a billion dollars to be I made. I think it's but... 900 million dollars. And that's why they're so upset <sighs> about their treatment so far in Indianapolis. So, I get it. That's my thing, though. I don't, I don't care. Anyway, back to the stat here. Number one overall seeds in a tournament since 2004 have only won the tournament three times. So this year, who's the number one overall seed? Yeah, Gonzaga. It's Gonzaga. Maintained from the, the beginning. Who's never it's never won never a national happen. championship before? Gonzaga. Have they? I thought they did. No. Gonzaga has won. No. Gonzaga's never won a national championship. What? Yes, they have. When? I thought that was... I, I think know. the only time they made it to the championship game was when Carolina beat them a couple of years ago. That 2017. is it. They made it to the championship game, but they mm-hmm. haven't won it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Joel Berry however, had a great game that night. However, this year, Gonzaga might be the exception. Because each of the last four basketball champions were number one seeds in the tournament before. And each of the last three national champions finished number two in Ken Palm's ranking the year before. Gonzaga was the number one seed in 2019. Huh. And they were number two in the Ken Palm ranking last year without the tournament. You talk about a, a so computer. So they're following the yeah, trend of the last wow. four national champions being the number one seed before, finishing the previous year as the number two in the Ken Palm ranking. Then they end up winning a national championship. How much of that has to do with, with just consistency, though? With That's just exactly longevity. It. That's exactly it. Just being there, being yeah. near the top of the rankings. Well, think, think about the last national champions we've had. Virginia? You know, right. senior laden experience yeah. ball club plays great basketball. You had uh, North Carolina in mm-hmm. there. You had uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on on the last few national champions, um, but yeah, all of them have fit that bill. So maybe this year is going to be one of those one of those. Weird years for the number one overall seed. And being a weird year, it does benefit Gonzaga because they come out of such a weak conference. And that's always something we knock Gonzaga for. They're the only decent team to come out of the WCC, and that's absolutely true. But with the bracket of chaos the way that it is this year, you know, the more I think about it, I think that's less likely to matter the deeper you get into the run. Gonzaga is a good Mm -hmm. team, but... I don't know. I just I have a problem with Baylor and Oklahoma State on the other side of the bracket. The Big 12 is so competitive. The SEC has been recently decently competitive this year as well. So, I think mm-hmm. Gonzaga stands alone. They really they they've just got a lot of work to do. They are going to be sweating by the time this is over with because they have to go through a handful of really really good teams to get where they need to be. Yeah. Be cautious as well if you are uh, picking the Florida State Seminoles to win it all this year. Don't do it. Do you realize that there has never been a national championship coach who has led his team to the title who is 70 years old or older? Really? Mm-hmm. Never. And Leonard Hamilton fits that bill. I didn't realize he, he was 70. It. He doesn't look it, but he is in his 70s. He's like 72. It's not a 70-year-old I want to tangle with. <laughs> Goodness. He's a little gimpy now, though. Right. Yeah, that's coming up in my uh, in just a minute. Oh, really? All right. Well, uh, let's get just a bit outside. The sports tag, just a bit outside. All right, here's the four one one, folks. 
All right, we know the big trade happened with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Indianapolis Colts. Carson Wentz no longer with Philly. He is now with the Colts. They made the official announcement today. He is officially with the team because the new new league year has just started, so that trade became official. They held the press conference, the introductory press conference, after announcing that he is going to be number two. That'll be his jersey number this year, hmm. which I thought was interesting because does anybody know what Jalen Hurts' number is? <laughs> He's let number let two. me count. Let me count on my fingers. <laughs> He's number two. Um, but Carson Wentz is going to be number two for the Indianapolis Colts. They had the introductory press conference today, and we don't know who's responsible for making the rule, but in the Zoom press conference today, they made the rule, no questions from Philadelphia media. There's got to be a law against that somewhere. I mean, there's no law against it, but at that point, as a you know, as a former reporter myself, I would have a problem with that, and I think I would decline to cover the story. I'm just absolutely. Not do it. I'm not yeah. going to participate in the Zoom call. Uh, if I'm working in Indianapolis, I'm working for the Indianapolis Star. And I go in and I find out that they're not allowing other media members to ask questions during the press conference. There's just something unethical about that. Like a team doesn't get to pick who asks the questions. They if, you anyway. are, if you are a verified, uh, credentialed member of the media, you should be able to ask a question in a press conference no matter what city you hail from or what team you cover. My thing is, what's the worst that they're going to ask Carson Wentz? They're not going to bring up anything that he doesn't already know about. I mean, he knows that he's not—he's got a target on his back walking down the streets of Philly. Well, and how hard is it for Carson Wentz to go, next question? Right. Just say I no mean, comment. if they ask him a question that's like, hey, uh, you know, now's your chance. You're free from the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, how big of a jerk is Jeffrey Lurie? He can just go, I'm not going to answer that question. Right. Next yeah. question. Neither here nor there. Question. Let's move on to the next one. Hmm. I think that would look better than whoever made this decision, whether it's Carson Wentz who said, I don't want to take questions from Philadelphia media, or whether it was the Colts saying, we don't want Philadelphia media coming in here and you know hijacking the process. Either way, to me, it's wrong. It just seems to me like it's it's trying too much to save face for Carson Wentz. You remember when he came out of North Dakota State, it, it was, he was branded as this lily, you know, this, this pure... Never been in a, never been mm-hmm. to a party, never been arrested, kind of, you know, pretty boy. Right. Who walked, you know, he was just going to be the savior of football in Philadelphia. And he had his moment, but now it seems like maybe things aren't quite what they seem. Maybe there's a little bit of a dark underbelly. Maybe there's a little bit of an ego, egotistical side to Carson Wentz. And it's coming out now. It's rearing a bit of an ugly head. I don't know. To me, this just screams like somebody soft. Somebody is soft in that, either in the Indianapolis organization or Carson Wentz is. It sounds and to me like it's Carson. I don't know. I, I really don't know who made the call on this, but all in all, it's wrong. Yeah, because to set up a sham press conference where you know you're only going to get certain people asking certain questions, I mean, I mean that's something, you know, Horrible politicians would do. And why would Indianapolis care, really, what Carson Wentz says? He's not going to go into this press conference and trash his brand new team. We all know that's not going to happen. So, but now you've taken, you've, you put a leash on him and now he's not able to answer honestly. And now that's, know. that's an even bigger problem than not even having a press conference. I don't know. Philly's, Philly's weird. Philly people are weird. 
And I, in, in one regard, I can kind of understand that we don't want somebody coming in and feeling like they can hijack the process. But on the other hand, if you're going to have a press conference, have a press conference. If not, do some kind of canned statement. Don't take questions from one sect of the media and not allow the other sect of the media to ask questions. I can say I was stuck in a, in a traffic jam in the heart of Philadelphia on the Betsy Ross Bridge with my windows down, and I heard some of the things that were said between some of those people. So <laughs> keeping that in mind, maybe I understand a little bit why he doesn't want to face Philly media, but you're in the National Football League, big boy. Time to buck up. Exactly. Well, uh, let's. things are getting a little wild actually let's go back to the ncaa tournament you were talking about okay. florida state and head coach leonard hamilton well i didn't realize he was in his 70s but nature uh, nature doesn't really doesn't really care regardless when uh when you make minor mistakes those mistakes tend to become major because uh, leonard hamilton all he tried to do was step off of the bus on sunday and it ended up, he ended up on the pavement and Yikes. it turns out that leonard hamilton uh, has ruptured his achilles So he is going to be coaching possibly from a chair, but probably from a boot uh, as we get underway in the NCAA tournament. So it didn't, you know, it didn't really hamper Ron Hunter a few years ago when, uh, when the the whole Georgia State debacle, when he fell off of his chair with the boot, you know, his team was still able to win some games. So I don't really foresee that hampering Leonard Hamilton too much. Uh, He's not really an active coach anyway, just the mean mug. The, mm-hmm. the, the the look, the stare of death is usually enough to get you back in line. He doesn't need to jump around and, and yell and scream. So. No. But still, it's going to be a little bit of a different look for Leonard Hamilton. Yeah, he's 72 years old. Um, the year he was born, there was a presidential election. Would you like to guess who was elected president in in the year Leonard Hamilton was born? 72. So that means it was in the 50s sometime. From Truman? Let me go with Harry Truman. It was. Yeah, nice. Good go. job. Hang on, let me give you the let me give you the old yeah. Yeah. yeah history. Harry S. Truman was elected president the same year Leonard Hamilton was born, nineteen forty-five. Eight. Okay, well, so much for the history, Buck. <laughs> <laughs> Sports you history. You were doing yes. so well, and then you had to get more specific. Sports history, yes. Important history, no. Oh, Leonard Hamilton rupturing his Achilles. That's that what? is unfortunate for him. Uh, but good thing is. He's not the one playing basketball, and his team's going to be ready to go. Leonard Hamilton's loss is Wes Miller's opportunity. (laughs) That's all I can say. Let's go Spartans. Uh, I I still feel like uh, Florida State is going to run away with that game. (sighs) It's not going to be pretty. Oh, I mean, probably 40 points, honestly. Mm-hmm. If Florida State can play up to their potential. Now, we've seen them play know. like I dogs mean, this right. year a couple times. That is a team that can play down to the level of its competition. And Georgia I, Tech. <clears throat> <laughs> Which, I mean, Alvarado's a really good player, but yeah, and Josh Pastner is a fine coach, but they should not have have won that game. I'm not taking a swipe at UNCG. Everybody knows how much I love Wes Miller, how much I love Isaiah Miller, but I feel like Scotty Barnes is going to have his way with Isaiah Miller. He's just that much more talented than him. It's, it's Isaiah Miller ferocity. might end up in the NBA. He's got a he's got a possible shot at being like a bench guy in the NBA. Oh, no doubt about it. Scotty Barnes is going to be like a number three pick. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's a lottery pick. The, t- the, the talent outweighs, uh, you know. And then you factor in everything else that Florida State can throw at UNC Greensboro. I I don't see a path for them winning. But there again, they're a North Carolina team, and I will root for them 
constantly. In a year unlike any other for North Carolina schools. I mean, maybe this could be the year for UNCG. It's <laughs> got to be this year. I don't know what other year I would be. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit of baseball. We're doing our uh, division previews of the 2021 season. Opening day comes up on April the 1st. You will hear the Atlanta Braves right here on ESPN Asheville all throughout the baseball season. We our, our next division to look at, the American League West. And in the American League West, who's your favorite this year? My favorite is different than from what the uh, the computer projections are, which imagine that. That's been the case all throughout this thing. But this this Picota that we keep talking yeah, about, yeah, yeah. this algorithm. So they've got the Astros at 93 and 69, mm-hmm. first place in the AL West with 72% odds to win that division. Right behind them, the Angels at 87 and 75 with a 24% chance to win the division. I think you look at this and it's a, it's a direct flip flop of that. The Angels win the division 97 uh, with a record of 97 and 65 and the Astros could be as close as a half game behind. It is tight in the AL West and that's mainly because Houston has done a lot of offloading this season. When you mm-hmm. send George Springer up north of the border to play in Toronto, you're only keeping Michael Brantley really in the outfield and, uh, the core, the core that really made Houston that good for for more than three or four years. I mean, it's been a long time, long time coming for Houston to see the success that they've had over the past five years or so. But uh, you're losing players at such an alarming rate. Mm-hmm. I think, and I mean, losing AJ Hinch that was a that was a problem as well because now you've got to you've got to throw it all out and throw the baby out with the bathwater and implement a brand new system. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a lot to do all at one time for Houston and Verlander is going to be Justin Verlander is on the DL to begin the season. It's going to be a while before we see him on the mound this year. So because of that lost time, I just think, I think Houston is able to make up some of that ground in the second half of the season, but they're too slow out of the gate in, in the months of April and May. So I think uh, when you look at the lineup for, for LA, Oh, it is brutal in Anaheim this year. And Mike Trout is projected to bat second in the lineup. He's like a Paul Goldschmidt. I've never seen him bat higher than third, fourth, or fifth. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, he's batting in the two-hole this year. Shohei Otani is going to bat third. And get this, Anthony Rendon is supposed to be your cleanup hitter at fourth, which is probably a pretty good move because he he was an excellent anchor for that lineup in Washington, especially during that World Series years. I mean, he hit 28 home runs last year alone, knocked in 92 runs. Can they win a title? While Mike Trout is still playing, that's my question. Like I, I have, I, everyone I feel like is pretty much Mike Trout is a well loved baseball player. Mm-hmm. Everyone realizes what talent he has. He is one of the best outfield or one of the best players, not just outfielder, but he's one of the best players in Major League Baseball. It's has been the best, the best yeah. player for a long time. But he's never gotten it done. They've never, he's never got to hold the commissioner's trophy. Do you think that the Angels, one, have a shot this year, and two, will figure it out before Mike Trout's done? And I did a, I did a chew on that about this, uh, about three or four weeks ago, but if it is going to happen, and it does need to happen, if heads aren't going to roll in Anaheim, somebody mm-hmm. is going to lose, or a lot of people are going to lose their jobs if Mike Trout turned out to be a big bust. But right. It, if it's going to happen, it has to happen this year because the re-signing of Shohei Otani was huge. I mean, there was a very real possibility that Los Angeles was going to lose him over the over the Is course of the offseason. Is he healthy? Are they still going to try to pitch him? He's better than he was, but it's just they experimented with that. And it's at this level, at the top level of baseball, 
you can't split. You, you just can't divide and conquer like that. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to make sure that you stick to your bread and butter. So you expect Shohei, Shohei Otani to come in as a DH. Now, he had a couple of good outings over the course of spring break. He was able to, to, to get some batters out, but he's much better and he's much more effective in Los Angeles coming out of the DH role. And he's going to see a lot. Uh, I mean, he's going to have an effective role out of that three hole as well. But really, if you, if you can get on base and let Anthony Rendon and more importantly, Justin Upton right behind you in the fifth hole, if his bat is, is able to come back up to the level that we've expected from him. He hit 26 home runs last year and had 77 RBIs. So that's an improvement for Justin Upton as to what we've been seeing over the past three or four years. The, the one through five in this lineup, plus Dexter Fowler batting seventh, there are a lot of big pieces of lumber. And we're going to, you know, how Mike Trout is able to absolutely clobber mm-hmm. it out of the stadium. You lose out, you lose Albert Pujols over the course of the offseason, but there's, like I said, Otani and Rendon and Upton and Fowler. You've got plenty of big meat there to replace it. So LA has an opportunity. I do think they win the division at 97 and 65. But then that's where things get interesting in the playoffs. You've got, you're going to probably have to go through the Astros again. I don't think the A's are a factor this year by losing Marcus Simeon and really that core group of workhorses that the A's had. They're out of it. Seattle is an improvement, but they're by, you know, by adding Corey Seeger, obviously that's a big bat added to the lineup, but the Mariners aren't where they need to be and the Texas Rangers are lagging way, way behind in fifth place. I mean, <laughs> they, they can allow full I mean, attendance because it's not going to sell out. Right. That's why. I mean, <laughs> I mean, when you, uh, dump what was it like a hundred and fifty million dollars from your payroll this year is what mm-hmm. what Texas got rid of. I mean, what do you expect? That's going right? to happen. All that talent's got you know the money equals talent, and when you no longer have the talent, then you got to start rebuilding from scratch. Yeah, once Mike Napoli left Arlington, so did the the entire spirit of that organization. It's been a long time since Texas has been any right. good, but yeah, I mean, LA's got to get it done this year. It's the mm-hmm. one opportunity they have, and the the problem is, it's either going to be LA or Atlanta on the other side of the bracket come World Series time. So even if Mike Trout is able to engineer a long run to the Fall Classic, I don't think it ends well because LA is just. We'll talk about that in the next hour. They are ridiculous this year. One thing I'm looking forward to this year that we were robbed of last year, fans in the stands at Houston Astro games. You and me both, my friend. I can't wait. I'm really hoping that the the fever for hating the Astros because of the trash can scandal continues this year. Do you think it will? No, you no think doubt people about will it. Remember? Yeah, people aren't going to forget. I Ten years so. from now, we're going to hear trash cans banging. God, That's really the great part so. about baseball. We don't forget. <laughs> yeah, they never forget anything. We are spiteful, vindictive humans. We've always done it this way. We <laughs> 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 are in the sports tank with Jeremy Green. Without Jeremy Green, with Caleb Peak here on ESPN Asheville. Oh, basketball starts tonight at five ten. I cannot wait. Stick with us. It's the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville. I'm Tank Spencer. Jeremy Green on vacation. Caleb Peak in with us again right before the uh, Sports Center update here. Want to get you caught up on uh, the latest coming out about the NCAA tournament there in Indiana. They have, uh, they've gone through the testing. They have tested 9,100 or I guess there have been 9,100 tests. It's not that. That's not the number of people that they've done. It's the number of tests that right. have been administered. Number of plastic units. There have only been eight positives total among Tier 1, Tier 2, and Tier 3 personnel since entering into the bubble. I'll take it. Love to hear that's it. That's a great percentage. We only have two players that we know of right now that are going to be missing games of the first rounds of the tournament because of coronavirus-related issues. Uh, Davion Harmon 
the second-leading scorer from Oklahoma. He's tested positive, so he's going to be out. And then you have the ACC Player of the Year, Moses Wright from Georgia Tech, who hasn't tested positive, but I'm guessing he's a close contact, so he's got to be in quarantine for at least the first-round game that the Yellow Jackets play against Loyola Chicago. And it looks like uh, Georgia Tech's going to be in a little better situation without their big guy than uh, than Oklahoma's going to be without their guard. Because Georgia Tech, I'm looking at some of the, the prognostications for that first round. They were lucky to draw Loyola Chicago, even though the Ramblers are a team that, that won their conference. They've won a lot of games in a row. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it looks like they're going to, uh, Georgia Tech is going to have to go with a smaller lineup against the smaller Ramblers. And that's going to give, you know, that's going to allow them to get away from Moses Wright just a little bit. So it's a break for Georgia Tech, but Oklahoma, they've got a tough road to hoe. It's going to be really tough. It's That's your 8-9 game again between Oklahoma and Missouri, and Oklahoma has got to have all hands on deck. Knowing how well Missouri shoots the three, they can be a real problem. You are right about that. You're in the sports tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. Coming up in the next hour, we will get you caught up on all the things going on in free agency in the NFL. Stick with us. This is... The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers, I'm I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252-4348. Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. You're in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville. 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. I'm Tank Spencer filling in for Jeremy Green this week. Mr. Caleb Peak. And the studio gets warmer every day, doesn't it? It does. It does. Nice and toasty uh, in here. Yeah, we're going to, you know, just chalk that door open. Hope to get a breeze coming in here somehow, somewhere, some way. Uh, (laughs) We've been talking about, excuse me, the NCAA tournament. Kicking off tonight, first game coming up at 5-10 tonight. we got a pair of 16 seeds going at it in the first four. Mount St. Mary's, Texas Southern, 627 tip-off for Drake and Wichita State. 840 tonight, the Mountaineers of Appalachian State take on Norfolk State to see, you know, for the right to see uh, who gets to get their tail kicked by Gonzaga in the first round. And then the best first four matchup we've ever had, UCLA taking on Michigan State. It's been a final four matchup. I don't know how many times. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not sure how many times they've faced Oklahoma. I really don't know either. I mean, you wouldn't be surprised if it's happened a few times in history. But it's going to be fun. I mean, the, the, the NCAA tournament gets underway tonight. We've got everything getting underway hot and heavy tomorrow. This is when, you know, the games start at noon tomorrow. All day so. long. Now, now, let me ask you yeah. something, Tank. What is your method for picking these first four games? How, how do you do it? How, how do you know which way to method, go? Uh, my method for picking the first four games is I'm pretty good about the 11 seeds. The 11 seeds are at least relevant basketball You've teams. You've seen some highlights, some tape over the right, course of the year. right. Uh, like Michigan State, I've seen them play a few times. I watched both of their games against Michigan. Watched them beat Michigan. I watched them beat Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, last game of the regular season, 
I also watched him get killed by Michigan the game before that. That's the part nobody wants to mention. Right. <laughs> we forget about that. Right. Um, UCLA, I'm not a Pac-12 basketball fan, so I don't really pay attention. So right now, I'm basically just dismissing UCLA. I was much more interested when Shaq's kid was there. <laughs> yeah. When he rolled out, so did I. Right. I mean, just how many times can you pay attention to UCLA and they never live up to being UCLA. Yeah, just let the ghost of John Wooden live in, live in peace and, you know, we'll let UCLA basketball retire. Right. Like they haven't should. been as good since, what, Russell Westbrook and uh, Kevin Love? That was the last time UCLA was nationally relevant in right. basketball? Yeah, Oregon is carrying the banner of the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. They have for the last 10 years. And how sad is that? Yeah, that Oregon has to represent you in football, basketball, and whatever else. Mm-hmm. Fencing. Yeah. So with the 16 seeds, flip a coin. I don't care. Like, to me, they're not going anywhere. They're not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. I think it's fantastic for these little schools to be able to say they took part in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, for the first four teams especially, I mean, you can say you've won a game in the NCAA tournament. UNC Asheville's been in this scenario before. Very famously. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've got, you know, we... As a school, UNC Asheville has a couple of UN, a couple of NCAA tournament wins because they've been in the first four. Yeah, and it technically counts. And then you go to the first round and get bounced. Yeah, that's the only reason why Syracuse knows who Eddie Biedenbach is is because of the first four. But I mean, you talk about the first four experiment, though. Ah, ah, it still grinds my gears. What Eddie Biedenbach? Oh, no, that Syracuse game. Oh man. Oh, it was there. So close. At the half. Should've I wish the game had been one had been one half instead of two. Yeah, but they should have had the ball at the end with a chance to tie. And the referees screwed us. Yeah. But and then the only thing Jim Bayheim could say after the game was scoreboard. Shut up, Jim. Yeah. After after his comments about Greensboro, I've got no use for Jim Bayheim. Well, see, that's where it all started for me. The 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 Jim Jim Bayheim hate tour uh-huh. started for me after the UNC Asheville game. And he came out and they were asking, well, you know what, you were so close at the end there. You know, do you think you should have gotten the ball on that play? And he was just like, scoreboard. Yeah. Hated him because of that. And then what? It was like two years later was the the comments that he made about Greensboro that we're in a, you know, we should never have the tournament in Greensboro because yeah. it's just a little podunk town and that should never happen. Out of here, buddy. Take your Alzheimer Done. meds and get off. Exactly. Get out of here, man. I don't have time for that. No. Go, go play your son. Go put your son in the starting lineup. Yeah, exactly. Buddy Bayheim. What a punchable character. And apparently he's going to have both of them next year. Has he got two kids? Yeah, he's got he's got one that plays at a smaller school. I can't remember where he plays, but apparently he's transferring into Syracuse next year. And I'm hoping that's going to be the Bayheim farewell tour. But I hope so. But he's going to ah. be a senior. He's got the grad transfer, his other son that's going to come join the team. So it would be a perfect time for him to say goodbye, have the last season with both his kids graduating from Syracuse. It would be a perfect time for him to let go. And I, for one... I'm here for it. He should have been in the empty nest already. If I was Jim Beheim's age, I'm not going to have kids in college. They're going to be 40-something. Right, but he's still one of those coaches that you can't bet against. You can't bet Unfortunately. against You can't bet against Syracuse. You can't bet against Michigan State when it comes to winning games in the NCAA tournament because you know Syracuse has done this before. I mean, they were in the first four and then ended up making it to the Elite Eight. Uh, they made a Final Four run as like an eight seed or a ten seed or something one year. It's 
unbelievable. The You call it the stroke of luck that they have in the NCAA tournament. I think a lot of it comes down to coaching, and a lot of it has to do with that weird 2-3 zone that they play. They do. A it lot is of a teams weird defensive get confused luck. by it. Uh-huh. And that's the thing about the, the Bayheim charm as well. We see it as just an, an off-putting thing, but somehow, some way, he's able to get some darn good recruits in every single year. Yep. And he's able to take this group that isn't going to pan into anything. You have a lot of good good players while they're at Syracuse, but they don't end up translating into the NBA. That What was his name? Raheem or Raheem Christmas. Uh-huh. From, from several several years ago. I thought he was a lot to go in the first or second round, and he just never did anything in the NBA. But while he was playing for Jim Beheim, everything was ship-shape. Yep. So sometimes that's all it takes. In the college game, the coach is usually the most important, I, I would call him a player even. Mm-hmm. He's a factor. After finding out that Georgia Tech now has a player that apparently is a close contact, not going to be able to play in their first-round game, Moses Wright, the... Uh, ACC Player of the Year, not going to be able to play for Georgia Tech. It does make you ask a question about what was going on in Greensboro. Because think about this. Duke had to pull out of the tournament because of a positive test. Yeah, now the rest of the school's got it. Virginia had to pull out. Yeah, I mean, Duke's up to 10 10 dudes on the basketball team or 10 people, like Tier 1 people Mm. in the basketball program. That entire campus is locked down. Yeah. Um, You got Virginia, same thing. They had to pull out of the tournament because of a positive test. They've not even made the trip to Indiana yet. They're going to do that tomorrow and hope that they can have everybody pass all of the tests to be able to start practicing on Saturday morning. That's Um, a big hope. Right. Then you had the story of the referees. We still don't know who of the referees tested positive to be the close contact. You had six referees that went up there. Their hotel room wasn't ready. So they decided instead of just waiting around like we're supposed to and go into our hotel and stay quarantined at the hotel, let's go out and have lunch together. So you got TV Teddy Valentine and, and Roger Ayers, both guys that worked the ACC tournament, that are now caught up in coronavirus issues. They're not going to be able to, to participate at all in the tournament now. And then you got Georgia Tech with a with a corona so so uh you know I don't know dead spins uh, calls it a uh the ACC tournament was a super spreader event. It it seems like it, doesn't it? And it really gets kind of funny when you when you hone in on what the Duke program was doing, how they were they were the only team that wasn't actually staying in Greensboro, going back to Durham every night where there was a COVID-19 outbreak. Uh-huh. We just didn't know it at the time, and uh-huh. then they were traveling back and forth bringing those germs. I mean, I think obviously I think that needs to be looked into a little more, but uh you know, like I said in the previous hour, I think Georgia Tech may be able to dodge a little bit of a bullet even without Moses Wright simply because Loyola Chicago does have to go to that small or, or a, Rather, Georgia Tech has to convert their lineup into a smaller look just to be able to run mm-hmm. with the smaller Ramblers, who aren't 24-4. and four. But, I mean, it's a big loss. Moses Wright, he averaged 35 and a half minutes a game. I mean, he shot over 50% from the floor. But, yeah, I mean, he's come such a long way. He's been such a big factor for that school this year. He has to be back by round two. Has mm-hmm. to be. I don't care if you have to put him in a plastic bubble. You keep him safe until round two. I don't think they're going to make it. I really don't. You think they lose to Loyola? Oh, yeah. I think Loyola Chicago, I mean they're I'm not they're not gonna make a deep run, but I'm pulling for them to face off against Illinois in the second round. They're a really good mid major. Oh yeah. A really good team. Yeah. Porter Moser's done a heck of a job with that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sister and Jean's fact, gonna be there. <laughs> See, that to me is the sign. That to me is the sign that you 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 should you know, I'm not saying go out and be stupid, but 
if 101-year-old Sister Jean feels comfortable enough to go to a basketball game with, you know, a smattering of fans in the stands, I feel like most of us should feel okay about getting out and about and doing some things. Again, I'm not saying go crazy and go jump into a crowd of people. But I think it is a, oh, we got breaking news. Ooh, okay. Oh, wait, 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 let me hit it. I got to hit the, there it is. Thank you. Hell yeah. All right, we've got signings in the NFL. Let's just get into it here because we we've had a, several of these today. And uh, boss man Brian Hall, I don't know. I, he le- he just left, so I can't ask him what he feels about this at the moment. But the Miami Dolphins have apparently signed Will Fuller. They needed him. I mean, they needed another receiver. That is true. You're not wrong about that. Uh, I think they'll probably also draft one high in the draft. But Will Fuller from the Houston Texans come over comes over to the Miami Dolphins. The breaking news, though, I just saw on the TV screen. I got no information about this yet. But uh, apparently the Buffalo Bills have signed Mitchell Trubisky to back up Josh Allen. I need to know more about this. I That's hope weird. you got a good deal. That's weird. Why? Is what I need to know. Why? I don't know. I mean, you're going to underpay Mitch. You have to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I wouldn't pay him much. $4 million, maybe. That would be my ceiling of what I would pay Mitchell yeah. Trubisky. To be a solid QB, too. him in to be a backup. Oh. <sighs> There's no money. There's no money being announced just yet on how rich this deal is or lack thereof. But he has been brought in to be the number two behind Josh Allen. He's going to be taken over from Matt Barkley. Oh, this is going to cause me to have a mental break. So much, much better. It's, 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 it's a, it's a great upgrade. Uh, yeah, at QB two, no right. doubt. <laughs> right. Yeah. What Mitchell Trubisky should be so much better than a court than a backup quarterback. I th- you think so? The, the, the Chicago experiment was it didn't go well. He looked a lot better at Carolina than he ever looked in Chicago. But, well, I mean, he was playing in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean yeah, and I'm afraid that Sam Howell is going to have the same wake up call when he comes up. He was throwing, you know, he was he was throwing big games, but he only started one year. I would. Could you not put Mitch Trubisky in the same the same category as uh, uh, you know up in Detroit? Maybe Jared Gorf. You could put he and he and Mitch Trubisky in a uh, in a quarterback battle because that makes more sense to me. Sending Trubisky to Detroit, hmm. you know, an inter inter division conference or a rival there. Yeah, I mean, at least this way, you got. You got you've you've got something you've got an insurance policy if something happens to Josh Allen. Josh Allen does like to run. He's a big dude. He likes to enforce his will when he can in the running game. I think it's actually a, a smart move for Buffalo. Yeah, maybe it's not that bad of an idea if you can get him for the right price. I mean, think about it. I mean, quarterback is the most important position in football. If your quarterback goes down, what happens mm-hmm. to your football team more often than not? I mean, how many times have we seen a starting quarterback quarterback go down and the team still be as good? That's happened once, and that was Matt Castle when he filled in for Tom Brady. And that was a fluke. Of course it was. 
I, I just need to see more information about this deal. <laughs> I need to know because how much they gave it's him. It's good. Obviously, Mitchell Trubisky is a great backup quarterback to have. How long can you keep him, you know, satisfied in the backup position? Mm-hmm. Because he he is expecting to be a starter. He knows what it's like to be a starter. Well, there was nobody in the league that was going to make him a starter. No, he doesn't deserve to. Mm-hmm. In my opinion. He's shown, you know, and people go with, oh, he had that four-game stretch last year where he was so awesome. Yeah, it was four games. And they played really crappy teams during that four-game stretch. Nobody likes to take into account that they were playing, like, Detroit and Minnesota, and I think Cincinnati was in that group. Right. They were playing bad teams, and Mitch looked great. Awesome! You go up against actual, you know, competitive teams. teams. Right. And it's... Everyone can see the deficiency that you have there. I think Andy Dalton is a. It's it's at least. Would you call him an improvement? At worst, it's a lateral move. At best, it's a massive improvement from from Mitchell Trubisky. I just I haven't seen enough out of Andy Dalton in the last eight years. I'm gonna put you put you in Allen Robinson's shoes. Mm -hmm. Do you feel better today as Andy Dalton with your starting quarterback as you did last year with Mitchell Trubisky? I feel exactly the same. I feel like yeah, I feel like it's going to be me that has to make it happen. Think about this in Allen Robinson's career, and this is a guy who's had thousand yard seasons. He's been really good, Mm -hmm. a really good wide receiver in this league ever since he came in. He was awesome in Jacksonville. Think about this, Andy Dalton will be the best quarterback he's ever played with. <laughs> when you factor in Blaine Gabbard and company, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. Blaine Gabbard, Blake Bortles, uh, and then he came to Chicago and had Mitchell Trubisky throw into him. Easy. Andy Dalton's the best quarterback he's ever had now. I still feel like it's it's just another bridge guy. Dude. It's just another temporary patch. Of course it is, because it's Chicago, and this is what they do. Yeah, They like to swing for the fences and then realize, oh, wait. We're not a free agent destination. I mean, we like to think we are, but when it comes to offensive players, nobody cares about Chicago Bears. They can they can get all the defensive talent in the world, but think in their history, what quarterback have they had that's been real good? I mean, you got to go all the way back to '85. And, and even I would then, argue that Jim it, McMahon wasn't even. Yeah, that McMahon good. wasn't a wasn't a standout. It was the defense that was the star of the show for in '85. So who else you got? Jay Cutler. <laughs> that was the biggest There's waste one. of time. There's one true franchise quarterback in the history of the Chicago Bears, and it was when they were still wearing leather helmets. And Sid Luckman was their quarterback. <laughs> That's the only top quarterback in the league they've ever had. I can't challenge and that you on was that. Four years after the forward pass was invented, man. So <laughs> you got to expect more Chicago Bears fans. You got to demand that's more. The, that's the thing, though. They do. They expect more year in and year out, and that's what killed me earlier this week when we had the discussion about Andy Dalton coming in. I guess that was just yesterday. Andy Dalton coming in, and everybody's upset. Why didn't we get Russell Wilson? Because you're the Chicago Bears, right? And you're gonna find a way to screw this up. And yet, they, and they did. And now you've got your coach and your GM who are basically on one year tenders. They're going to lose their job because they're not going to be able to turn this team into a winner. So hang on a second. So how good do you think the Bears will actually be with Andy Dalton this year? Mm. I'm trying to find a schedule right now. About what they were this year. Eight and eight at you, best. You think they go eight and eight? Probably. Let's see. And yeah, I mean, they the first few weeks, they should be able to jump out 1-0 against Detroit, but you've got Green Bay on the list twice, and the first time is in week two. The NFC, I mean, the NFC North is just, it's hell to play in. Especially mm-hmm. when you're at the bottom of the conference. 
at, at Seattle in week and uh, week sixteen. Finish out the season at Tampa Bay right before the playoffs. Oh, they're gonna get killed. I mean, Actually, you know what? That that might be a game they win because Tampa will be so far ahead in the standings, we won't have to play anybody that last week. Yeah, Ta- yeah. We'll, Tom Brady is going to set for that game. We will be throwing Blaine Gabbard out there. Just go out there. Right. We don't want to see Tom get hurt. Nobody else is going to play. Just go out there and do what you can do. Looking at the schedule, I don't see Chicago winning more than five games. I think they split with Detroit. Maybe they win six games if they win mm-hmm. both the Detroit games. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is not pretty at Soldier Field. Well, Detroit's going to be horrible this year, so yeah. just just prepare yourself for that. I think Chicago's going to be worse than we think. Will Fuller signing with the Miami Dolphins. I think that's a great move for them. He matches up with Devontae Parker. Now you've got a, a, you know, a dual threat at the wide receiver position for them. Uh, and you know, as long as Tua can take a next step in his sophomore season... I don't see any reason why that shouldn't work out. Can those two play together? And you know they oh, can. Yeah. yeah. Well, for, Fuller's going to have no problem learning that offense. They're both young guys. <laughs> right, right. Uh, a couple other signings that have happened today. Jared Cook is now going to be with the Los Angeles Chargers. They've signed him to a one-year deal worth up to $6 million. So after they lost Hunter Henry to the New England Patriots, Jared Cook comes in, sees if he can, you know, see if he can give it one last go with the team to be relevant. Uh, Kenyon Drake signing with the Las Vegas Raiders. That's important. It's kind of a head scratcher to me. I mean, it just, are they, is that the only thing they're going to do this year is just run the football? I mean, between him and Josh Jacobs, you got two guys that are, you know, thousand yard backs. Yeah. I mean, you've got your A back and B back situation there. I mean, he's definitely the B-back to, to Josh Jacobs. Two years, $11 million, up to $14.5 million. So there's mm-hmm. some confidence in Kenyon Drake. Obviously, he's earned it in the past in Miami and, and elsewhere. And the New York Giants are giving Danny Dimes a new target. We'll tell you who it is up next right here on ESPN Asheville. You're in the sports tank. What are you people? On dope? Nah, man. Just the NCAA tournament. It's a natural high today. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. It it all gets kicked off uh, shortly after this program ends. Here at 510, we've got NCAA basketball, the tournament kicking off with the first four games. We're talking football right now, though, and the New York Giants, they've been hot and heavy on talks to bring in a premier pass catcher to give Danny Dimes somebody to throw to. And they've landed a pass catcher. But it's not the one you're thinking. They've been in on talks on Kenny Galladay. Mm-hmm. That's not the one they landed today. Let me get Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, hot. Give me Kyle Rudolph. Don't wait. Don't we already have Evan Ingram? Oh, yeah, we do. We do. How's another tight end going to make Danny Dimes better? That's my it's big not. question. It's not. I, I mean, it's hate, a help. I it's not. hate, 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 hate David Gettleman so much. I don't even like the Giants, but I just I look at this team and I go, "This is what you think is going to keep pace with the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Football Team in your division." Here are their signings so far: Leonard Williams. I'll give him credit for that one. Leonard Williams okay. was a good signing, although they had to shell out a billion dollars to keep him. Kyle Rudolph, John Ross. Devontae Booker, oh, 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 they got a backup quarterback today as well. Mike Glennon. 
You're kidding. This is hot. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, let's just... I mean, I want to take a shower in this. Things are happening in New York. (laughs) Good gravy. The Giants are just doomed. And I think it, it it just all goes to the top. Carolina Panther fans are with me, right? You I mean, guys, I'm with you, with you anyway. This. Speaking of the Carolina Panthers, they've made some. They've made a couple of pickups in the last day that I'm really hot on. Hassan Reddick comes in from the Arizona Cardinals, who had 13 sacks this past season. He was hot. He has a career high in sacks this past year. I think him and Brian Burns are going to light teams up. Brian Burns has been waiting for some help. Mm-hmm. The Brothers mm-hmm. of Bash is what that could be. Oh, they also added uh, Denzel Perryman, who's a really good inside linebacker. Okay, yeah. Um, That's a Thomas Davis replacement or a Luke Keekley replacement. And then you look at the other work that they've done. They brought in Morgan Fox, who had a decent year at defensive tackle this year uh, for the L.A. Rams playing next to uh, Aaron Donald. He had like six sacks this year. Of course, a lot of that has to do with Aaron Donald. But you match him up on that defensive line. He's going to be in there with um, with Derek Brown. you got to like that tandem. Uh, filling in for, you know, Kwan Short, who's gone now. Uh-huh. And then you look at the offensive line. They franchise Taylor Moten. Then they get uh, Pat Elfline, who used to be with the Jets. And then Cam Irving. Comes over from the Dallas Cowboys. I feel like these are all really decent signings. And they are. And now, I mean, if they're really in on the, on the Deshaun Watson talk, we might have some building here. It would be more likely now that those three pieces are in play because you think about it. Carolina lost three major offensive linemen. They lost three major blockers since that fall from grace a few years ago. Mike mm-hmm. Remmers is gone. Kwan Short is gone. Star Latulale is gone. And now you've got three nice pl- uh, pass blockers to come in and kind of mm-hmm. maybe they don't fill all of the hole that Star Latulale left, but it's better than leaving that wide open. And it, it's a you know you've got some decent talent coming in. Maybe well, they're not was, Hall of Famers. Well, Star was a defensive tackle. He wasn't on the offensive side. Are you thinking of? Um, oh goodness, give me a break! Hey, I can't remember. I, I can't think. Of, <laughs> I'm there, having the same problem. There's another weird name, and I can't remember who you're thinking of. Uh, but I I know what you're saying. You, yeah, you know who I mean. Yeah, uh, that guy. He looked like Star. <laughs> um, staying in the same vein of Carolina Panthers, Curtis Samuel's not going to be back. Yeah. There was some hope, Panthers fans hanging on to the hope that they might be able to re-sign Curtis Samuel, bring him back I in. I thought he would stick around. Now he's going to reunite with Ron Rivera up in Washington. And the Washington football team has gotten all that much better in this offseason. They were already a scary team at the end of the season. I mean, they were the only team in the playoffs that even threatened the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that was with Taylor Heineke playing at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Heineke proved something. To Ron Rivera, he brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick. I believe Ryan is going to back up Taylor. Do they actually believe that Taylor can develop into a decent starter? Now they've got Curtis Samuel. You add him in with Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. That is a that is a scary little group of uh, of, of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. And then they franchise tag Brandon Scherf. So they got one of the best guards in the league coming back next year. And then they added to their secondary with William Jackson, the cornerback that came over from the Cincinnati Bengals. 
This is a scary team, and I think the Dallas Cowboys should be really nervous about this. Dallas and Washington, they're going to be, they're going to be neck and neck this year, and oh, yeah. it really makes sense with the Curtis Samuel deal. Just like you were talking about yesterday, it's clear that Ron Rivera values uh, values experience. He uh, values the guys that he's spent time with, the, mm-hmm. the guys that he's coached, and Curtis Samuel is yet another one. Mm-hmm. You, you think about Kyle Allen, how similar he and Taylor Heineke really are in their play styles. They're essentially the same quarterback, same body styles and everything, and Kyle Allen had a good Good year with Curtis Samuel. Samuel was one of his go-to targets all year long. So, you know, you kind of replicate that between maybe it's not Kyle Allen anymore, maybe it's Taylor Heineke. You should see kind of the same pattern, the same results coming out of that. And it was a good year for him. We got some news about the uh, the NFL TV deal. The NFL will reportedly make more than $10 billion a year on this new broadcast agreement. I'm just going to read it to you because it's uh, just just came across the the screen here. For fans, viewing will remain largely the same with NBC, CBS, and ESPN keeping their current packages. Fox remains the league's Sunday NFC home, though Thursday night football will now broadcast exclusively on Amazon Prime. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. ABC is also returning into the Super Bowl rotation and will be allowed to flex some Monday night football games from ESPN to air over the air network. So classic. it'll be on classic ABC. Nice. Uh, ESPN Plus will air a London game, while NBC's Peacock will also have exclusive games. How many memberships do I have to sign up for now? Exactly. Uh, all of this goes hand-in-hand hand with the new 17-game schedule. 10 billion dollars a year is what the nfl is going to make on the new tv contracts which means that revenue that we took a hit on last year i'm not saying the problem's over but this is going to go a long way to boosting the salary cap back up in the coming years let's get weird on the weird scale there's vegas there's florida and there's Asheville. let's get weird Asheville. So I am a career broadcaster, and because of that, I love the FCC. I would never do anything to run afoul of the FCC, and I endorse everything the FCC does. Uh, <laughs> you and that dump button of yours, take. <laughs> you just got you know, butter them up before you get in trouble with them. Uh, but the FCC has enforced the largest fine ever of telemarketers. The fine handed down $225 million to telemarketers out of Texas. Uh, the group, the robocalls, falsely claiming to sell health insurance for Aetna, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and other companies, this organization made a billion robocalls. In the United States alone. A billion robocalls. And now they've been fined $225 million. It's the largest fine ever handed out by the FCC for uh, telemarketing purposes. And if you do the math, that works out to uh, $0.22.5 cents per infraction. Go get them, boys. <laughs> That's uh, really sticking it to them there. Man, half of those calls probably came to my phone. I hate these calls so much blows up all day long with this nonsense oh, yeah uh and you know and and this is also a group that is uh you know they're 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 one of those spoof call mm. groups 
You ever get you ever get taken in by those? See, I got to the point where I just stopped answering calls that from numbers that I don't yeah. know. I used to answer all eight two eight numbers because I thought I was safe, and clearly, mm-hmm. you know, not, clearly even that doesn't. Now, save. if I don't have your number, you need to leave me a message. Mm-hmm. And even then, I'm I may or gonna, may not get I'm, back to you. Yeah, I'm not gonna answer it. And now the new phone that I have does this cool little thing where it translates mm-hmm. the the voicemail. So now I don't even have to listen to my voicemails. I can just read it and go, yeah, I don't care about that. Yeah. Delete. But hey, the FCC doing something good. They are uh, they're looking out for us and fining telemarketing companies that interrupt your supper every night. Yeah, hopefully some of that FCC money will trickle on down this way. But well, let's <laughs> again uh, we love the FCC. Yeah, well, Tank, you and I are uh, you know for my my weird news story. You and I are are both guys who usually pass up the salad. Usually we're not going to sit down and have a uh, a, yeah. a salad as opposed to something a little greasier maybe mm-hmm. or a little more delicious. Mm-hmm. Well, um, maybe you're maybe you're of the other sort. Maybe you like salad. Maybe you like it so much you've actually wanted to talk to it. Well, scientists are going to make sure that wait, uh, wait, you wait, can wait. do that. Talk to it? <laughs> Communicate with your plants. I don't want to talk to my food, period. Well, maybe you, but if, maybe you got a cactus or something. You should be able to talk to the succulents, too, as if, long as... If I could talk to my food, it makes me not want to eat it anymore. So I'm completely against, like, you know, hey, wouldn't it be cool to talk to animals? No, because I want to eat them all. Well, I don't care what they are. Yeah, I've never wanted to talk to animals, but maybe the kale or the rutabaga, possibly. <laughs> uh, if this uh, if this Singapore, uh, Singaporeese team of scientists are able to have their way, you will be able to do the same. They're working on developing these new this new technology that uses electrical signals that go from a machine to a plant and back that would actually transcribe a sort of language. That would use the the uh, the stimulants in the environment around the plant that we've known for decades, apparently, according to these scientists in this article, that plants uh, quote unquote emit electrical signals to mm-hmm. sense and respond to their environment, and all they want to do is harness those electrical signals and mm-hmm. turn it into something that that humans can can read and understand. Mm-hmm. So, in the event that you want to talk to your chicken Caesar salad, you should be able to do that in the next what? ten years or I so. I don't understand the purpose of wanting to communicate with your plant. I mean, like. It's if, a long if the, article. If the leaves start to droop, that means give it more water. Well, they say that the reason, <laughs> <laughs> you know, from the common sense perspective, probably, but they're saying that the reason they want to do this is to create opportunities, uh, uh, such as plant-based robots that can help to pick up fragile objects. I don't know what a plant-based robot is. But I guess that's what they want to do with this. Or to help enhance food security by detecting diseases and crops early, which sounds a little more useful. This makes my brain hurt. Yeah. Why do we, why do, we do this to ourselves? I, I, why do humans do this to why ourselves? Do, why? Why? There's no why need, to, we talk need to, to talk to plants. plants. Just put it in my mouth. Plants have no information that we need. I, I, I'm going to stand by that. I mean, it's not like we're living in that... Uh, awful mark Wahlberg movie where the plants are killing everyone <laughs> i forget that, what the, that's called the uh, the happening yeah the happening the yeah yeah where the plants were you know revolting because of global warming and so they just started killing everybody and making them go crazy if you've never seen it it's actually a pretty interesting storyline until you find out that it's the plants revolting because of global warming and then you just i'm, I'm out at that point i was too young when i watched it Sorry. i did not get that movie not, not in any way. Stop it! Trees have feelings. Yeah. Just I'm wait gonna, until you make I'm a green smoothie. No. I'm gonna go with no. Blend those bad boys up. <laughs> All right. Baseball season is coming up. Opening day is just a couple of weeks away. April first is opening day in Major League Baseball, and 
we're doing division previews. We're down to our last division in Major League Baseball, and it's the uh, the National League East. The one that you've been waiting for. Ah, the Atlanta Braves, your home for the Braves, right here on ESPN, Asheville 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. You can hear them play here all throughout the season. Uh, the Atlanta Braves, to me, are the favorite in the National League East. I don't care what the New York Mets have been doing. I mean, it's obviously going to have an impact. It's going to be a close race down to the end. I favor the hometown Atlanta Braves. What do you say? Well, what the Mets have been doing is has gone a lot further with these uh, with with these computers, with the electronic uh, oh, rankings. Picota oh, loves sure. the Mets. Uh, you know what? I bet you the ficus plants love them too. Oh, I'm I don't sure they trust do. them any more than I trust the computers. The Braves are kings of the of the NLE. I won't quote them until I hear <laughs> it from them directly. But the uh, the Mets are supposed to win the National League East if you ask this Picota algorithm. Ninety six and sixty six is what they say the 2021 Mets will go. Seventy seven percent odds to win the division but get this the nationals are in second place with this algorithm the phillies are in third place the braves are in fourth place are you kidding me 82 and 80 they say the braves have a five percent chance to win the national league east and to say to that i say unplug this machine because i'm sick of listening to it because the braves are going to be your your national league east winner and that's not because i love the atlanta braves that is one reason but the braves are going to win 94 games the braves Mm -hmm. go 94 and 68 i think the mets finish in second only two games behind and that is because atlanta has been working so long and so hard on building this murderer's row that they've got let's look at it ronald acuna is going to lead things off ozzy albies freddie freeman and marcelo zuna those are your top four a lot of marcelo zuna i'm so glad he stayed in atlanta i love all these guys i hated him as a st louis cardinal but he is he has been great especially last year out of that four hole travis darno is going to be a good catcher in the five hole dansby swanson batting six austin riley at seventh and with nick markakis leaving to retirement best wishes to nick markakis i can't thank him enough for everything he did in atlanta that gives christian pache an opportunity to bump up to the starting lineup and it looks like he's going to be batting eighth out of the outfield he had a good uh, a good rookie season last year in the games that he did appear he uncorked on a few balls 11 home runs to go around for christian last year and uh, again, batting out of that eight hole, it looks like there is. I mean, there are going to be a lot of balls flying out of out of uh, Truist Park this year. I want to mm-hmm. call it SunTrust so bad, but Truist Park, the TP down in Atlanta. <laughs> then you think about the Atlanta starting rotation. No, Max, no, 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 you can't call it that. You can't call it, that's a racism. You can't do that. What you can't say Braves and 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 TP in the same. Oh my god! Yeah, you can't do that. They tried that once, and they had to get rid of it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, you, if truest, you get, truest park. Let's stick if, with if that. If you get me fired, I'm gonna, <laughs> You're not I, don't, I don't know what fired. I'm going to do. Max, anyway, Max Breed is going to be your uh, your leading uh, your uh, your number one ace for Atlanta this year on the mound, and then you got Charlie Morton in the two hole. I didn't expect him to pitch so highly in the rotation, but watching him over the course of spring training, that arm has done nothing but improve. It was more than enough to get Tampa Bay into the playoffs last year, and uh, it's going to do nothing but help Atlanta this year. Now this. This is why New York is expected to be so good. You add Francisco Lindor, mm-hmm. hit his first home run a couple of spring training games ago. He hit 30 of them last year, knocked in 85 runs. So batting in the two-hole for New York is going to be a, it's going to help him out a lot, especially when Michael Conforto is hitting right behind you. And you've got a guy by the name of Pete Alonso batting in the four-hole. So, again, as we've been saying all, you know, all, all week long, these divisional series are going to be of utmost importance this year. I mean, 
Atlanta not only has to beat New York, but the Phillies, I think, are going to be lagging only two or three games behind, maybe four if things really get away from them. But they're going to be a solid pick for number three in the NL East. And if Atlanta isn't able to win those series, guess who begins hanging hanging around the second place spot? And you you, you can never count the Phillies out to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I really, even as bad as they've been over the last couple of years, you've got Bryce Harper, you've got a good pitching staff in Philly as well. And if they keep hanging around, they could just get in as a wild card, you know, as a wild card slot. Is the National League East the best division in baseball, top to bottom? Mm, top to bottom, probably. I th- the NL Central is pretty talented as, as well. It just falls off so much, really, once you get to Cincinnati, and then even more once you get to once you get to Pittsburgh with the Pirates. But I think one through four could actually have re- all have realistic shots of making the playoffs. You expect mm-hmm. the Atlanta Braves to win the division. You think the Mets are going to get in with a pretty sure lock to get a wild card as well. But you can't count out the Nationals. You can't count out Bryce Harper and the Phillies as badly as I hate to say that. So it's going to be a long 162 games in the NL East, and every series is going to be of utmost importance. So oh. I cannot wait. This is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, there are stars all over these teams. I mean, you look at the Nationals, and they've got Juan Soto and uh, Trey Turner, mm-hmm. and you know, one of my one of my all time favorite pitchers, John Lester, is uh, has has joined the Nationals. Yes. Kyle Schwarber's with the Nationals now. It's going to help. They've got a lot of bats. You look at the Phillies, and you mentioned Bryce Harper with mm-hmm. them. All of the young players that they've got. All of these lineups are loaded in the NL East. Right. And the biggest problem is honestly going to come from the pitching perspective. New York is really loaded when it comes to fireballers. Jacob deGrom is throwing the highest heat he's ever thrown. I mean, he went 15-7 and seven last year, a 2.76 ERA. I mean, you're, you're, you're not getting to first base on Jacob deGrom. It's, it's impossible. Marcus Stroman is a good addition as well. But then big news for Carlos Carrasco, who strained his, uh, I think it was his right quad that he strained in uh, training yesterday. It wasn't during a game situation. It was uh, just after throwing batting practice. He was doing some conditioning and strained, uh, I believe it was his right quad. So Carrasco is going to be an early season scratch. It's going to be a little while, possibly end of April, maybe early May, before he makes his way into the starting rotation. Maybe by that point, Atlanta's got a 2-3 to game lead, and hopefully the Braves don't look back. I think the Braves win this division. Uh, Aside from that... And maybe that's just me being a homer because I once worked for the organization that I'm begging them to be the winners. But I, you know, I really believe in this young core group of guys. Ronald Acuna to me is, I mean, but it, it's between him, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, I would probably throw Luis Robert in there, mm-hmm. like as far Good as outfielder. the youngest. You know, just the all-round best young baseball stars that we have in the league right now. And and that's not even counting guys that are a little more well-established like Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. I mean, I think these... These younger guys are right on the cusp of that stardom. Well, you want to talk about well-established. How about Pablo Sandoval keeps hanging around the Atlanta organization. Is he back again? They brought him back. I think it's on a minor league deal again. He's been at spring training. But still, he's one of those guys, whether he's on your team or not, when he speaks, you might want to stop and listen to what he's got to say. And it just so happens he he, he swears that Ronald Acuna will be a Hall of Famer. And if Pablo says it, oh yeah, it must be true. I mean, it's pretty obvious at this point. But mm-hmm. I mean, you you have to keep up the pace that you're playing on. But it began with Ronald Acuna. Freddie Freeman was there, but the spark that lit it all was Ronald Acuna joining this organization, and yeah. it's all been downhill from there. Yeah, I just don't have I don't have as much faith in all of the other teams as I do Brian Snicker and the Atlanta Braves. It's well constructed.
Yeah, and he's got a great staff around him with mm-hmm. Ron Washington and company. Uh, I think uh, I think Terry Pendleton is still uh, is still on, in the bench as well. That's a lot of baseball experience, a lot of good knowledge. I mean, the New York Mets, you know, they always had they or I won't say always, but they seem to have a talented roster year in and year out. Whether it be you know uh, sluggers in their in their lineup or you know guys in their in their pitching rotation that are top of the league. But they always seem to fall on their faces at some point. Philadelphia Eagles or the Philadelphia Eagles, the Philadelphia Phillies can't seem to get things going, uh, and the Washington Nationals—they're—they're they're here and they're hit and miss. You they're, know, they were in a World Series just what two years ago. Yeah, three and that's years the slump ago. that they're in right now. Right, the series slump. Yeah. So, adding uh, uh, what's his name from Chicago, Kyle Schwarber. I and mean, that, that Miami is, is Miami still around, or we have have we contracted? Them? They're yeah. in the they're in the cellar. They're in the cellar. They are in the division technically, <laughs> but I mean, uh, Picota gives them a zero percent chance to win the division, and people who actually watch baseball are are going to agree with that. It's negative seven. Yeah, Derek Jeter has got a lot of work to do down there. It is not going well <laughs> in Miami. That's not a good experiment for him. All right, you're in the sports tank with Jeremy Green. I'm Tank Spencer. He's Caleb Peak. We'll be back right after the break. Last-minute adjustments, last-minute tips as you're filling out your brackets. March Madness gets underway within the hour. You're in the sports tank. The ceiling is the roof. Let's make it happen. Let's keep moving forward. Raise that roof. Ceiling's always been the roof, Dank. That's right. We got the NCAA tournament kicking off in about 20 minutes. It's all going to get underway with the first four games uh, starting at 5-10 this evening. Um, Let's talk real quick, though, about legitimate bracket busters. Who are the teams that you see could bust brackets in this? I think it's going to be a lot of chalk. And there's only really one, what I would call, outside-the-box team that I think can bust some brackets. I'll tell you who that is, and I want to know who yours are first. Me first? Yeah. Okay, well, you know, than Georgetown. you know my outlier is Georgetown. <laughs> it's likely. It's not likely. It's not likely. It's not likely, but it is possible. So we'll, we'll hold off on that one. You know I've got Georgetown in the Final Four. But you've got to beat Florida State to do that. You realize that, right? They do, and they have to beat Michigan and Alabama as well. But that last one is going to be the toughest one because Alabama could be on a legitimate run to the Final Four. And I'm not the only one that thinks that. A lot of pundits around the nation have been watching Alabama, how well they've been coached. Coach Oates has plays with such a high tempo up and down the floor that Alabama just runs a lot of teams out of the gym. That's what they did in the SEC tournament. That's what they've done all year long. And Georgetown, if if they're not conditioned well, if they get to that Elite Eight point, I mean, it's going to be tough to keep up with Alabama. So that's Mm -hmm. one legitimate contender. Uh, Oklahoma State, obviously, you cannot count, count out Cade Cunningham. I understand they lost in that final against Texas, but Cade had 29 points. He went 100% from the line, and he did everything that he ha- that he could do to keep his team in the game. He just didn't have any help for that one particular game. I'm yeah. sure that problem has been addressed in the locker room, and you're going to get some more some more looks from Avery Anderson the third, and guys like D. Mitchell and Weston Church are going to be getting more involved as well. So Oklahoma State, Ohio State, and Texas Tech are, are a couple of, of dark horses as well that could, you know, Baylor is going to have to go through either Texas Tech or Ohio State come Elite Eight time, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a tough test no matter who it is. So um, the Big 12 is is tough this year. That's why I think they're, you know, between Baylor, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and Texas, it's going to be a hard road to hoe for any other conference. My one team that I think could upset a lot of people and 
upset the apple cart in the tournament is Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Now, I realize that Texas Tech is not 2019 Texas Tech. It's not the same team that played in the national championship against Virginia in the last national championship that we had. However, Mac McClung, I feel like, is one of the best players in the nation. You know where he came from? Mm-hmm. Georgetown. That's right. Mm-hmm. He did. He jumped, he jumped ship off of a horrible basketball team. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and decided, you know what? That's the team that I can go farther in the NCAA tournament with. So I think Texas Tech's got a chance to do something. Uh, you know, they get Utah State in the first round, then they take on an Arkansas team that's very good, but I think that could be a defensive battle between those two teams. Mm-hmm. Then they, they take on Ohio State. It's a team that I don't really believe in a whole lot. Um, you know, I, I I could see Ohio State losing in the second round of the tournament to Virginia Tech. But yeah, if the, I but do too. In my bracket and my you know tried and true to myself bracket, the ones that I actually think are going to happen, I've got Ohio State beating Virginia Tech in the second round and then falling to Texas Tech in the next round. Texas Tech and Baylor is my elite eight matchup. That's who I've got too out of mm-hmm. the South. So I think Texas Tech, you know, coming in as a six seed, I think that's about as weird as it's going to get. And you also think about this. Texas Tech, they don't have a bad loss on their schedule. You're right. The teams that they have lost to this year, they have lost to Oklahoma State twice by five each time. They lost by one to Kansas they lost. Uh, they got handled pretty good at the beginning of the year against Houston. Lost by eleven in that game. Mm-hmm. They lost to Baylor twice. They. I mean, every team that they've lost to, they should have lost to. Yeah, coming in as a, as a six seed, they they weren't expected to run the table, and they did not. And honestly, mm-hmm. a lot of the time this year, Mac McClung has been the absolute difference. If Mac McClung isn't wearing black and red, Texas Tech probably doesn't even make this tournament. So, in, in the college game, one player and one coach is all you need most of the time. But really, that's the only one I see. I see a whole lot of ones and twos and threes on that board. And, and Michigan, Michigan, uh, Michigan fans, uh, I really hope you go farther in the tournament. But I think you're out of it. Uh, the latest that I have heard about Isaiah Livers is he's not going to play. And that's going to be massive for them. And if he's not playing, does St. Bonaventure have a chance? Because I think St. Bonnie gets to the second round. That would be a game against Michigan if, if uh, Michigan's able to get through the final four appearance. The first four that appearance. Could, that could happen. I got LSU upset in Michigan in the next round, though. Michigan gets past the 16 seed, LSU gets past St. Bonaventure, and then LSU takes down Michigan. They're my first one out in the first weekend. Yeah, without livers, that's actually pretty likely. You're in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville. We'll be back with you tomorrow at 3. Tank Spencer and Caleb Peak. Have a good evening. Enjoy that basketball.